Electricity, a big idea that's inspired countless new ones. From powering the light bulb to virtually powering our entire lives. 30 years ago, State Street launched the Spider S&P 500 ETF, SPY. A big idea that inspired the world to invest differently. And still does. What can you do with SPY? Before investing, consider the fund's investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses. Visit SSGA.com for a prospectus containing this and other information. Read it carefully before investing. SPY is subject to risks similar to those of stocks. All ETFs are subject to risk, including possible loss of principal. Alps Distributors, Inc. Distributor. Live from the NASDAQ market today, overlooking New York City's Times Square, this is Fast Money. I'm Melissa Lee. Our traders on the desk are Pete Nigerian, Carter Worth, Tim Seymour, and Steve Grasso. Tonight on Fast, the unthinkable. The Charmaster says it's time to sell Apple. And he has the one chart that proves his point. Plus, a pair of after-hours chip stocks, NVIDIA and Applied Materials, both on the move uh, on earnings. We'll break down the results. And later, up in smoke, cannabis stocks getting crushed. We'll find out what's behind this big buzzkill in the marijuana space. But we begin with a major developing story on Alphabet. The stock taking a leg lower into the close on news of an expanded antitrust probe. CBC.com's Lauren Hirsch was the first to report this story. She joins us now from our Washington newsroom with all the details. Lauren, what's the latest? So the 50 attorneys general investigating Google are preparing to expand their antitrust probe beyond the company's advertising business to its search and Android business. People familiar with the matter tell me. Texas, which is leading the probe, announced the investigation earlier this year. But so far, the investigation has centered on Google's advertising, bus- advertising business. Texas has issued subpoena- subpoenas for materials relating to that business. But now, other states will lead the charge in investigating Google's search and Android units separately. People familiar with the matter tell me they will also issue subpoenas to gather more information on those businesses. The Attorney General investigation is running concurrent to a DOJ-led inquiry, which Google confirmed earlier this year. Lauren, just quickly, what is the implication of separating uh, an investigation into search versus Android? So the the key point is they're very serious about the investigation. It's not shocking they would be curious to learn more about either search or Android, Android, but what is interesting is they want to use the resources to investigate, to write up to subpoenas, to get more materials. If you're Google, the reason why you're worried is you realize just how serious the AGs are in investigating your business and taking it apart piece for piece. All right, Lauren, thank you. Lauren Hirsch with the latest. You can read Lauren's full reporting on our website, cbc.com. So what does this now mean for Alphabet, Tim? Well, if you think about the company, first of all, performance-wise, we hit fresh highs before we got you know, to this news. And this is a company that I think actually has started to provide a little bit more insight into their business, the disclosure. Uh, the core business is very strong. Look, you'd think that if they were worried about regulatory stuff, they wouldn't be going all in on health care, too. Project Nightingale, we just learned about their moving into health care. We know they're getting into banking. Doesn't seem like they're shying away. If you look at how the stock responded when we really got this first announcement back in June, it took the stock down significantly. The reaction here is, I think, we've heard this news before, and frankly, we know that there's a target across Silicon Valley. And I think until, until we get further down the road, I don't think this is a moment you're just throwing Google out the window. It's amazing, though, right? I mean, now we learn that all 50 state AGs are investigating, plus the DOJ. They've separated the investigation, in theory, into search and Android. And yet the stock is basically, it may have gone a little bit lower on news of this, but right now it's basically unchanged. And this is unchanged. after a great it's above all its moving right, exactly. averages. It's, it's, it's amazing. It seems, it seems it like most really importantly, out, right? I mean, so, sitting there trying right. to. Yeah. And, the, and the stock price doesn't care. Investors right. don't care because we've heard about this story escalating for a while now. So everyone sort of writes it off. Same way we wrote off Brexit, trade, 
Powell, all these different things on a granular issue. It's Google now that's writing it off. Look, the stock is, it's a classic breakout. It hasn't even begun. I mean, there are stocks that are quite extended, we know, and this one has just gotten above prior tops. That's usually the beginning, not the end of a move. You know, it's a muted reaction again, this time, I should say, very much like Facebook. I mean, there's a lot of different examples we could use right now, but when the regulatory come down the first time, boy, the hammer really hits. And then it seems to get a little bit less. It's like the Trump tweets and all the rest of it. And even, quite frankly, some of the Democratic candidates that are running, everybody's worried about health care and all the rest of that. There are reactions initially, but then those seem to go away each time, Mel. And it's, this seems to be like the case right now for Google. And I think because of what, what Carter's talking about now, it's had a great run this quarter. It's up like 11, 12% just in the quarter, 25%, I think, year to date, something like mm-hmm. that, the stock. Yep. So it's been the class of Fang. Yeah, I mean, it's absolutely, absolutely yeah. been it the is, It is the classic Fang. You're right. Yeah. yeah. Uh, you, you wrote a number of uh, CNBC.com opinion pieces on Facebook. <laughs> I have and penned the, a few. You've penned a few about Facebook and the troubles Facebook faced and why it was going to be an issue for Facebook. Why is this different in your view? My, my view on Facebook is that this is a confidence issue and this is a trust issue with the management team uh, and something ultimately that would trickle back into usage. Now, let's be clear. We have not seen it hit Facebook in terms of their advertisers. We have not seen it in terms of their platform. In fact, uh, their platform seems to be as strong as it's ever been. I, I think with Google, um, again, in terms of the user right now, there has been some concern about data, and this has popped up in the last couple of days as they decide to get into healthcare, and they've forged a partnership that people are very concerned what they're going to do with that data uh, as it relates to healthcare. But I, I, I think there's a lot of trust for Google. I think there's more trust for Google than Facebook, and, and that separates the two. The regulators may think otherwise, but the core users, I, I think, feel differently. I think I, you're I, right about the trust thing, and I, I would just add one yeah. other thing to it. I mean, you watch the reaction out of Facebook, you get that big... Do- I wanted that downward move. As soon as I saw this headline, I'm like, hey, this is great because this gives you that opportunity to buy. Now it looks like that opportunity's already been wiped away. I mean, the opportunities you're looking for is Facebook knowing that people say they're going to leave, but they're not going to leave. Right. And that was the reaction when you look through all this regulatory issues they went through, and we all thought all these guys were going to leave. They didn't. All they do is continue to grow. And it seems you like have to be the there. advertisers stay. If you're, stay, if just you're like an advertiser, you have to be there. You can't avoid right. this. And then when you really look at the play... What happens in the long run if if this if if the worst case scenario takes place is it a or fine for Google? Alpha, oh yeah. Is is it a fine? Dollars. What's so do you, do you think that they're going to be crushed with a fine? They're not going to be crushed with a fine. So I think investors look past it and say Google's going no place. It'll be there. It'll still be a huge revenue stream and I have to be there. Well, as well. any any trust to me in 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 it basically implies that they're going to break the company up. It implies that they're they're actually there's a monopoly. They're not able to to they're not letting other competition in. Uh, and I believe that with mega cap tech, at least in the case of Google and, and Facebook, we talk about this as well. I think the sum of the parts actually would be a benefit to investors. I think if you had to break it up and actually try to sell these. How would you break up own, Alphabet? Well, again, I don't. The, the argument. Who gets the new ventures. The, the argument. The, though, that one. <laughs> the argument on antitrust is probably related to uh, to what extent that they are dominating the data and dam- dominating the advertising plane. Um, but in terms of what I think is really at risk is is the is the confidence level around data. All right. Well, let's turn to another tech name, uh, Apple. Here, the stock hitting a new all-time high for a sixth day in a row. It's now on pace for its best year in a decade. But some are starting to turn sour on the name. We've just learned that Warren Buffett's Berkshire Hathaway trimmed its stake in Apple last quarter, and now Chartmaster says it is time to sell this stock. So. 
Why don't you uh, go over to the plasma and break it down sure. for us? Sure. I mean, so as distinct from Google, think about Google. Google is the same price it was 18 months ago, which means that's the opportunity has yet to really break out. Apple broke out, and to some extent you have exploitation of potential, and it's quite steep and uncorrected. A few charts, in fact only three. Let's just look at it. Uh, this is the 150-day moving average over the past two years. And what we know is you could say, well, so what? It gets above or below. But let's pull this back and look out over a bit longer time frame. This is the same uh, chart, and it's looking at where the stock is above or below the 150-day moving average. Now let's pull it back even further and look at a two-panel chart. What the top is doing is looking at the same circumstance, the current stock in relation to the 150-day moving average, and the bottom panel is calculating for us automatically instead of having to wonder, well, just how far above the line is it? And what you see here, and this is quite something, every single time that Apple has traded 24% above its 150-day moving average, it has peaked and rolled over. That's happened literally simultaneously every time for the past seven years. At this point, as opposed to something that has potential to break out, Google has already broken out, and it, what comes to mind is trimming, taking profits, writing calls, doing something before, as they say, someone does it for you. Hmm. Before someone does do it, it for, me. for you. I mean, Carter, you come, on, come on back. Um, I was just out of curiosity looking at the ratings on Wall Street. Not that mm-hmm. we put a lot of stock into that. But uh, 65% are either at a buy or a strong, strong buy. Or a hold. Right, I did the same thing. So it, it, I think you yeah, have like 20, 27 at buys, 14 it, at like holds, and It's like the highest since a year seven ago. Sells. Since, since a year ago before the 20% decline. Right. And, and you always get this, this peak where everyone rushes in to, uh, to Carter's, I think, his point using the chart. But if you think about it, you have Apple TV+, Plus, you have iCloud storage, you have music. That's becoming a much bigger part of the story than it was a year ago. Two years ago, and definitely three years ago. So people that own the stock stay the course now more than ever before. I, I, ju- I just think that, that you know, the point that Carter's making is a totally valid one, however you want to look at it. In relative terms, I'm surprised Carter didn't give his classic correlation or relative to the S&P. You've outperformed the S&P, the entire market, by 35% since June. Since June, 35, I'm going to say it over and over again because that is extraordinary. And that is a reason to say, hey, you know, you could be a relative value player here. I'm long Apple. Uh, I sold some upside calls at 260 into year end because I think, you know, call me away. I'll I'll be okay with that. I I do think we get into that. Are you an investor or are you a trader in Apple? And I'm an an investor ultimately, but I do think you could be tactical. He owns Apple from (laughs) $2.30. Not quite, but from the 1990s. So I've owned it for a very, yeah, so I've owned the stock for what feels like forever but there are times where it's a great opportunity i loved what i heard you and i know it's options action that's speaking for you but it's a great opportunity to sell calls against it right now the only issue is the implied volatilities have come down significantly so the prices that you used to be able to get just a couple weeks ago are no longer there because we've watched the vix get to that 12 to 14 implied volatilities of options across many of these stocks has dropped so you're not getting what you were getting still makes sense to me it's kind of like disney yesterday that big run-up that we had in disney that big spike that we got just yesterday I thought that was a great, my final trade yesterday, mm-hmm. sell the, the upside calls in Disney against the stock because I want to hold it. And I've been selling options against Apple for what seems to be months and months and months, and they work out. The problem is, you lo- uh, the, the, the negative, I guess, is you have to be able to take a little bit of a loss on it. So if I were you, Tim, I'd actually recommend, hey, man, sell those calls against it. 
buy them back if this thing starts moving and gets up and through your your strike. Yeah, well, I'm through right now, and again, I was in right. two sixties, and I, I, you know, we'll see. But when now we end it doesn't matter. The the year. There, there's can so I much. A, can I can I ask a question? Too to much a premium. Well, uh, is it? A tr- it's related sure. to Apple. Okay. Well, they're talking about volatility. They're talking about upside vol, and I would think when you've had a stock that's rocketed this high, um, if I'm willing to actually sell a little bit more upside from here, it would be worth more um, because the stock's got so much momentum Absolutely going not. into that. No, the but applied volatility come that? up. The applied volatilities generally go out as the stock goes up because people get more and more confident in what they're seeing. When there's not confidence, that's when you see those important. I'm confident Apple's moving higher, so shouldn't a shouldn't, lot of people are confident. How much higher over what time frame? I mean, it's all yeah. about that right. option time. But one thing you guys are talking about is the analyst community. If you want to be bullish on this, the analyst community is not bullish, right? We know that a hold recommendation on Wall Street is a sell, right? Of all stocks covered, in fact, so let's take 10, 12,000 stocks, only 5% of all stocks get a sell rating over time, because no one wants to put a sell on it, because then management won't speak to you. They right. won't let you come on the Hold golf Hold on a second. Jacket. That's not supposed to matter, Carter. <laughs> but I'm Last telling you, time I that's what, with the Chinese but, wall. But, the, uh, but okay. that's how it works, right? So <laughs> Wall Street is, is compromised in that sense. Only 5% of all stocks are sells. A hold is a wink-wink sell. And what we know right. is basically half the analysts are saying wink-wink sell, which is hold, and half are saying buy. Interesting, the collective 12 months price target of this stock is 254. Mm-hmm. That's below yeah. where it's trading out. So if you want to be bullish, You'd say, well, guess what? Right, but that They're also all factors cautious. in a lot of be- those analysts that, all due respect, have no clue. So there's a lot of it in, in every, in <laughs> clearly every, no respect. Yeah, I like all due respect. respect. In every career, in, in, in every path in life, there's only 10% of people who do it really well. So there are $300 <laughs> price targets on that. There's a 220. Hopefully we're in the top <laughs> 10. Sure. I hope right. we're sure. really sure. Exactly. Exactly. All right, coming up, break out the chips. Yeah, break out the chips. NVIDIA and Applied Materials are both on the move after reporting results. We'll break down the big headlines from their quarters. Plus, tensions rising in Hong Kong that could have big ripples around the world. We'll tell you just what is at stake for the global economy. We're live from Times Square in New York City. Much more Fast Money right after this. You seek the key, but first, you must learn the ways of precision, craft, and performance with Acura's all-electric ZDX. With a premium Bang & Olufsen sound system up to a 313-mile range and a Type S variant with an estimated 500 horsepower, the ZDX is their most powerful SUV yet. Unlock the energy when you visit Acura.com to order yours today. Welcome back to Fast Money. Shares of chipmakers, NVIDIA, and Applied Materials on the move after reporting earnings after the bell. Let's get to Seema Modi at headquarters with the details. Hey, Seema. Hey, Melissa. Let's start with NVIDIA fluctuating between gains and losses. Revenue guidance for the fourth quarter came in weaker than expected, but the street also remains fixated on the strength that it's seeing in its gaming business. Sales and gaming came in at $1.6 billion, up from the $1.3 billion it, bought, it brought in the second quarter. CEO Jensen Wong says our gaming business and demand from hyperscale customers powered Q3 results. Key questions analysts will want to answer now is when is NVIDIA unveiling a new product that it continues to hint at? And what's the outlook on the crypto industry? Remember, NVIDIA does specialize in chips that are used in the crypto sector. Let's pivot, though, to Applied Materials, which unleashed a very strong earnings report thanks to growth in its foundry, logic, and DRAM chip business. In fact, China, despite concerns of a slowdown, continues to make up over 30% of 
net sales. Applied materials, the stock is higher here in extended trade and now trading at its highest level in 13 years. In fact, both chip stocks have been on fire this year, up over 50 percent, recovering from what was a pretty tough 2018. And even chip equipment makers, Lam Research and AMD are up big after reporting uh, better than expected earnings. Plus, further channel checks suggest that demand is starting to improve for semiconductors. And I guess, Melissa, the big question here is whether demand can keep up with Wall Street expectations. Back to you. All right, Seema, thank you. Seema Modi at headquarters. Pete, where do you go here? Which one would you rather? Uh, I'd stick with the applied materials just mm-hmm. because I think that's the space to be in right now because right. of what you're just, and, and obviously the numbers. I mean, that, that gave us a pretty good look. But the guidance, that really does sound kind of interesting in terms of NVIDIA right now. I mean, the focus at the one spot they're good is gaming, but that's a pretty small portion of what NVIDIA is. So I think because of that, it tells me I'd rather be in the maker than the ones that are actually the chips. Yeah, I, I think gaming is the aspect that everyone concentrates on. Then you have data centers. But then with 5G, what's the automobile going to look like? What's the connected home? going to be look like so I, I think that when you look at it just as a gaming stock you leave a lot a lot there so I, you leave a lot on the table so I, I would rather it was would you rather you I would rather do himself a man no, I, 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 I was just an extension of would you rather I did she did yeah she did exactly I like and by the way I believe her a bunch of new games coming on the market and these guys are always great with coming out with new chips going forward and with the gaming cycle you're going to see a lot of that stuff moving forward a lot more in the cloud a lot more to think about going forward with NVIDIA see I mean depending how you measure gaming I see gaming as it includes also the chips that are in PCs it's 50 percent of their business. Data centers, 25 percent of the business. When they tell you that gaming is a little bit softer than expected, even though it had been expected seasonally to be somewhat soft, I, I think that's a concern. I don't think any of this is really a concern when you consider where this stock has also come from. Think about this stock. It's up, is it up 130 percent off the lows we hit back then in that $130 level, which is something it's bounced off a few times. It got there even back in May. So I, I think the extraordinary run into these numbers, I think this outperforming the rest of a chip space that's been on a tear. Um, you shouldn't be surprised by this, and I think their business is, is actually much more um, rationalized at these levels than we've had in past years when we would have had this kind of a run. Which and, car looks better? Well, you know, it's interesting. Just, uh, semis overall, which has been the subject, right, all year, their relative performance to the tech sector peaked in Q4 of 17, and here we are. What? Two, really? That's correct. Q4 of 17. That's wow. two years ago, and they've yet to make a relative high. Now, it might be because things like Apple are acting so well. Shocking. But the interesting thing is that the beta trade, as good as it's been, adjusted for risk or beta, not only has it not outperformed tech on a two-year basis, but it's been even worse than that if you adjust for the cyclicality. Somebody in AMAT at home right now is saying, and I thought I was up 74%. Well, AMAT, that's different. <laughs> but you get things like MU right. and Intel, which are a big part of the aggregate. So as a yeah. theme, as a bet, as good as it's been, it has not really been an alpha generator, given other choices wouldn't could have done in terms of tech overall. So when we have this conversation about how semiconductors are very cyclical and they could indicate lots of things about the economy. Well, risk-adjusted returns, too, I think, is often Carter's point, right. isn't it? Right, right, right. So, but that, so that doesn't apply to the, that conversation. You could still believe and it could still hold true that semiconductors being a very cyclical sector are indicators of the economy. Oh, yeah. That, Even I'm if speaking the relevant, that. I'm just yeah, speaking yeah. to the, what, what one's investment experience has been and what the opportunity cost has been. Yeah. Still, Pete, your favorite semi in the space is? Very conservative. Intel? Uh, it, it Intel is Intel. Yep. And I, and, and I believe I'm in ready. the company. And I still, the CEO, I'm not 100% all in on. But, but I think over time, I'm sure he's going to be the right guy. All right. We have much more ahead here on Fast Money. Here's what's coming up next. 
The protests in Hong Kong continue to escalate. We take a look at the ripple effects in the market and how it could impact your investments. And later, Tesla shares have nearly doubled since June. But is that rally about to hit the skids? We break it down. That and much more when Fast Money continues. What does it mean to be rich? Is it having more stories to share or time to give? Is it being able to keep your loved ones close or travel somewhere far away? At Edward Jones, we believe the key to being rich is knowing what counts. Your dedicated financial advisor will take a comprehensive approach to your financial strategy to help support what truly matters to you. EdwardJones.com slash findyourrich. Edward Jones, member SIPC. What's on the horizon for financial markets? At PGIM, it's a question that over 1,400 investment professionals relentlessly research in pursuit of your long-term goals. Specialized across asset classes, but united in collaboration, our teams provide global and local expertise. Our investments shape tomorrow, today. Pursue your tomorrow with PGIM, a leading global asset manager. Welcome back to Fast Money. This was the scene overnight in Hong Kong as protesters once again flooded the streets of the Central Business District. The massive demonstrations reaching new heights over the last few days as protesters clashed with police. The increasing instability giving rise to new worries about Hong Kong's impact on the Chinese economy and what that could mean for the global markets at large. Derek Scissors is a resident scholar at the American Enterprise Institute. He joins us now. Derek, great to have you with us. Thanks for having me. Um, you make the point that the actual impact on the Chinese economy from Hong Kong, it wouldn't be that great, but it's the other ways in which Hong Kong brings money into China that could be harmed. That's right. If you took a list of the major challenges of the Chinese economy, they don't allow rural people to own land, so how do those people get richer? The state sector is huge, and they don't allow competition with it, so they suppress innovation. Uh, financial intermediation, the banking sector is really inefficient. Those don't involve Hong Kong, except right there at the end. At the end, the Chinese have run up a huge amount of debt. They acknowledge this. They're opening their financial services market, creating a lot of opportunities. But a lot of those firms want to base themselves in Hong Kong to take advantage of the opening in China, and that's where the protests can matter. Congress is considering a bill uh, sort of saying what's going on in Hong Kong is not okay by us. Um, how could that royal things, either, either when it comes to the trade wars or when it comes to getting money into China? Well, the, the bill by itself doesn't really do very much. It's more a symbolic action for now. It looks like Congress is trying to warn, and they have been for, for some months, trying to warn the central Chinese government away from acting in Hong Kong. So, you know, the only way the bill would matter is if the Chinese decide that they're very upset by this interference in their internal affairs. Honestly, they've had a chance to be upset and they haven't done it. Uh, I think what's really at risk in Hong Kong is if the situation there intensifies either in the forms of Chinese intervention or spreading to the rest of, of China or parts of, the, of China, that would escalate, that would completely change the situation on the ground. 
the bill, we've had a chance for a Chinese reaction, and we haven't had one yet. So I think it's just a symbolic action by the Congress. Hey, Derek, it's Tim Seymour. Thank you for joining us. Um, but in terms of escalation, what, what do you think about capital flight right now? And I realize that the Hong Kong dollar is not the yuan. Um, but I, if you think about um, some of the access points in and out of the country, Hong Kong certainly access for capital into the country. Um, and as we think about global markets as traders and as investors also, um, you know, we've kind of forgotten about the yuan, uh, even though we really need to keep that focused on our, our, our risk factor list. What, what do you think overall in terms of the, the, the sentiment around capital flight in China right now? Well, that ties back to those big questions. I mean, I think that's representative of Hong Kong's role. Capital flight is really about failure of the Chinese economy to reform and, and to increase productivity. It started in spring 2014 after the Chinese reform effort at the third plenary meetings didn't go anywhere. Um, so that's not really about Hong Kong. But as you said, Hong Kong is an important capital access point. So money is going to leave Hong, th China through Hong Kong if it can. Um, and, and the events there are they're gonna, thereby going to cause people to panic more than they would otherwise. So the capital flight long-term problem is not about Hong Kong. It's about China and its own choices. But it, in the short term, it does add to the feelings of panic people might have. Like, I have money, mainlanders, I have money in Hong Kong. Do I take it out of Hong Kong? Do I bring it back here? Do I send it overseas? What's going to happen there? Because if there is a, an, an uptick in, in protests and there are financial actions by China or the United States in response, you could have your money frozen. So I do think there's, a, there's, a Hong, there's Hong Kong icing, if you will, on the capital flight cake. Um, it does look like the protests are escalating, Derek. Uh, day by day, if it gets to the point where Chinese forces actually cross that border and enter the fray to try and control uh, what's going on, how, how could that impact the trade talks? Well, that's, that's the disaster scenario. The Chinese have clearly shown they don't want to do that. They've had an opportunity at various points to act. Uh, not that I would say that's justified. I'm saying they had an excuse. Um, they don't want to. They don't want to cause a problem. One of the reasons they don't want to is that would be the end for the trade talks. It would be the end for uh, the current trade relationship. Uh, the U.S. would impose Tiananmen-style sanctions on China, and all the opposition and the discussion that we've had so far would melt away. A very concrete example is Senator McConnell, the majority leader in the Senate. He has blocked a whole number of anti-China bills on a bipartisan basis that have come up from uh, the Senate. He, on the other hand, is very pro-Hong Kong. And that, that block that he has put on those bills would go away instantly if the Chinese intervened. And you get a flood of much harsher American measures coming out of Congress than we've ever seen from the Trump administration. Derek, great to, great to get your analysis on this. Thanks so much. Derek Scissors of AEI. Um, so it sounds like there are very few scenarios in which things could be affected, whether it be the trade war or the economic outlook for China at the same time. You know, the Hang Seng is down every single day that there are protests. How, how should we parse this out as traders? I, I think as traders, we, we can't forget about what's going on over there. And I've been having conversations with people over the last few days. I mean, people are leaving. Um, Hong Kong, as they knew it, it's over in terms of building a business. Uh, I'm not going to comment on whether the politics there are right or wrong, because apparently you can't. Um, what I will say is if you look at the Chinese data, last night we had retail sales number that took you back to almost 2003. Uh, you had industrial, industrial production numbers that took you close back to 2000. Two, you had fixed asset investment we haven't seen since the late 
1990s. So you, you have to be concerned. And that's what the bond markets did overnight after a nice rally back in yields. You actually saw the 10-year really pull back on risk uh, concerns. This, this really seems like something the market is overlooking. We've talked about things that the market has overlooked before and, they, and we've become numb to it. This, to me, seems like this could be a minefield where we're, we're thinking everything is going to work out and there's not really much that can happen to the overall market. This is the one thing that I think can affect a lot of the market right now. All right, we've got a news alert here on the Pentagon's cloud contract deal with Microsoft. Elon Moy's got the story. Elon. Melissa, Amazon is now formally protesting that $10 billion Jedi cloud computing contract that the Defense Department had awarded to Microsoft. Amazon confirmed that it filed a preliminary notice on Friday in federal court. It's not clear where the next step will be taken, but in a statement, Amazon Web Services said that federal procurements must be handled objectively and in a manner that is free from political influence. It said the Jedi evaluation process contained clear deficiencies, errors, and unmistakable bias, and it's important that these matters be examined and rectified. Now, Amazon had long been considered the frontrunner for this contract, but of course, President Trump is no fan of Jeff Bezos, often personally attacking him by name over Twitter. And there have been multiple news reports that the White House was concerned that the deal would go to Amazon and wanted it to be scrutinized. Meanwhile, Defense Secretary Mark Esper had to recuse himself from the selection process because his son works at IBM, a competitor. Now, guys, Amazon starting a legal challenge in federal court over this major contract. Back over to All right. Elon, thank you. Elon Moy in Washington. Um, When Microsoft first won this, Pete, uh, and I turn to you because you love Microsoft so Mm much, um, it was thought that, oh, maybe Microsoft finally has an in on some of these contracts in the future. How does this play? This challenge, obviously, this means something. Uh, And and you can understand where Amazon's coming from. I mean, they they see what's going on. They understand the the entire process. So it makes sense that they would challenge it. Whether or not they win, I think there's going to be a lot they're going to have to dig into to find any real truths about why Microsoft got this. We all know Microsoft has been been the guy who's been right on the heels of Amazon in terms of the cloud. AWS is number one. Microsoft is right below them. It makes sense to me that there was a possibility that it could one or the other, but it looks like Microsoft won. Was that decision made in a fair way? And that's what we're going to find out. But either way, you know what? Let's be honest. I mean, Microsoft continues on their way, and they are continuing to be a challenger to Amazon in all different aspects. But imagine, just imagine for one second that Amazon wins this challenge and that there was bias in this whole process. That opens up a whole other can of worms, in ter- <laughs> right, in terms of where the administration stands when it comes to <laughs> Jeff Bezos's properties <laughs> at large, not just Amazon. Well, look, I, I, I think... it. This type of a process would go on any time, I believe, the government's awarding a massive contract. Why wouldn't you file a complaint? Why wouldn't you want an investigator? I don't care whether this is in defense spending or whether this is in the cloud. Um, Because there are some obvious players here and because there's some politics, this is happening. But uh, let there be an investigation. Let there be actually a follow-through and make sure that this was all follow-through on. But but Microsoft, as Pete's pointed out, I mean, it has been crushing people in its wake. And in terms of their ability to manage a platform in a cloud that has multi-different dynamics that allow people to trade in and out of it, I think Microsoft continues to be in the pole position. How's the chart look on Microsoft? In terms of uh, variability, this kind of action is more desirable than Apple. I mean, Apple plunges 40% at the low last year, now has this huge ricochet. Microsoft has just been this steady 45-degree angle. Again, all about risk-adjusted returns. Microsoft is the, is the blowout winner. All right, coming up, Aurora Cannabis uh, just reported results. The stock moving sharply lower in the after hours. Uh, we'll bring you the big highlights from the quarter. And speaking of earnings, Home Depot set to report next week. Options traders are saying it's going to drive the red-hot home builders to new highs. We'll explain much more Fast Money straight ahead.
Welcome back to Fast Money. We've got an earnings alert on Aurora Cannabis. The pot stock is falling hard in the after-hour session. Let's get to Frank Holland at headquarters with more on this. Frank. Hey there, Melissa. You know, shares of Aurora falling more than 9% after reporting EPS of one cent in Canadian dollars and also a miss on revenues compared to estimates. Aurora CEO Terry Booth said that slower-than-expected openings of retail stores over the summer really hurt the company's sales. It's very similar to the commentary we've heard from other Canadian producers, such as Canopy, which reported earnings earlier this morning. Now, the company did say its cost to produce per gram fell by 25% to below $1 per gram. That's, again, in Canadian dollars, and that was a target for Aurora. Unlike Kronos and Tilray, which said its sale price per gram fell by nearly half when those companies reported earnings earlier this week, Aurora said its prices actually increased slightly. But overall, it's really been a difficult few months for Canadian companies that produce cannabis. Their stock prices have fallen by nearly half over the past three months. Melissa, back over to you. Thank you, Frank Holland. As Frank mentioned, Aurora isn't the only pot stock that's been burned. In fact, check out. Come on. It's so wrong. Boy, it's low hanging fruit. It's not not that bad. All right, uh, the cannabis carnage over the last couple of months. Pretty bad. Kronos, Tilray, Canopy, Acreage Holdings, all seeing massive declines. Um, so, Tim, what do you make of this? Well, so Aurora falls in Canopy this morning. Again, the things that Canopy talked about, Aurora apparently has repeated, which is that the, the province of Ontario is not off opening enough stores. Uh, this whole Cannabis 2.0, which was going to get them uh, to be selling higher margin products, has been slowed down dramatically. So what a lot of these guys are doing, Canopy did it this morning, they're pulling outright guidance. And, and, and so um, I'm reading through some of the notes also on Aurora's numbers. I mean, it sounds to me like they're, they're, they're forestalling, they're pushing out some projects, which were at one point seen as exciting growth. And they're talking about we're waiting for global demand to pick up. We're waiting for domestic demand to pull up. Uh, the inventory issues in Canada uh, are getting scary. Um, again, we went from a place where they're having trouble getting product to market to a place where everybody increased production. So um, it's, a, it's a scary time. It's a long way from the bottom that was called by one of the market, uh, uh, one of the brokers out there. I think a lot of people are wondering what are the, dyna- the dynamics that, that bring you to a bottom. The most important thing you get on a day like today is companies have reassessed expectations and essentially themselves not only pulled guidance but really reset the bar. That's important. If you think about it, when, when they first came out in Canada with legalization and then all the stocks ran up, if you look at the path to profitability, if you don't have one, you're thrown out now. Now, vaping, it doesn't matter whether or not you use vitamin E acetate or not. Everyone is selling your name. You have to have a clear path to profitability. So we saw Canopy say, uh, the interim CEO saying, three to five years to full profitability. That's a long way out to be throwing darts right now. Last quick question. These were all the Canadian LPs that reported that had bad results. And the U.S. is on deck. Should we extrapolate what we saw in Canada? I mean, it's a very no. different market. No, so. I don't think you should. It doesn't mean that, but I think U.S. valuations have been brought down by Canada. I do think also the addressable market in the U.S., especially in individual states. Illinois is coming online. It's a $2 billion market. I think is very different. All right, we just, we just want to mention that Tim Seymour is uh, all in on this space. He's a long number of names. He's also the portfolio manager of a cannabis ETF, sits on advisory boards for cannabis companies. For all of Tim's disclosures, go to fast.cnbc.com. All right, we're doing a little whale watching this afternoon as major hedge funds are giving us a look at the bets they made in the third quarter. Leslie Pickers at headquarters doing that watching with some of the highlights. Leslie. Hey, Melissa. Uh, so third point, taking a stake in Smile Direct Club during the quarter. That stock went public in mid-September, about $23 a share. 
share and has slid to about $9 in the two months since then. But Dan Loeb's 13F revealed that his firm bought 750,000 shares during Q3 and held them at least through the end of September. That news is sending the stock up in after-hours trading. As you can see, they're up about 1.4%. Berkshire Hathaway's filing also causing some notable moves in after-hours trading. You all mentioned that firm trimmed its stake in Apple slightly during the quarter, but it also took new positions in restoration hardware and Occidental Petroleum. Both of those stocks trading higher on those revelations as well. Now, it's important to always note with whale watching that all positions in 13F filings are as of the end of September and may have changed in the six weeks since then. Melissa. All right, Leslie, thank you. Um, So Berkshire is taking a stake in Oxy. Uh, Just earlier this week, Carl Icahn uh, was saying, took a cut his stake and saying uh, that the stock was extremely dangerous to own now. Pete, you have calls. Which makes it interesting. Yeah, and we've seen nothing but call activity in a lot of different energy stocks, Oxy being one of very many, quite frankly. But it's an interesting one, and it's interesting to see Buffett going in there as Carl's exiting, right? I mean, at some point, we all know that these time frames are something that we don't know exactly. Right. But, but I think it is interesting, and I think it's something that do, we've seen energy becoming a bigger and bigger and bigger portion of what we're seeing in unusual activity. So that, that to me... These guys are taking bets because it's such a small percentage of the overall market now. It's the smallest it's ever been. Really? But, and contract. there's a reason why EMPs, like an oxy, can't perform because there's an oversupply status. And there's a reason why refiners can because their input costs are the lowest they've ever been. Well, just thinking about Buffett, I mean, trimming Apple, what does Apple have? He also trimmed Wells Fargo. They're both steep and uncorrected. And what is he taking some of that money? He's not dumping them. He's buying something that's down and to the right. Oxy is literally right. in a free fall. Now, yep. catching the falling knife is a dangerous game, but he's not really doing that. He's just putting a toe in the water. Also, when that's steep, though, is, is really just in the last kind of right. six weeks or so. So, you know, it may not have been the best time to have trimmed. And let's not forget They've had that, big moves in, in the fourth quarter. Let's not, also not forget that Buffett is a guy who does do the blood in the streets type of analogy, right? So he's yeah. waiting and he's looking at energy. He's probably saying, you know what, I'm going to take a shot here, here, here. He and loves to buy beaten up. And Absolutely. does a good job with yep. it. All right, up next, Home Depot building up some big gains this year, and options traders are betting on an even bigger rally ahead. We'll break down all the action. Plus, Tesla revving up today after getting a vote of confidence from Consumer Reports. But we'll tell you why there could be much more going on under the hood. Stay with us. Fast Money's back right after this. Welcome back to Fast Money. We are in home builder heaven, apparently. The Ooh, XHB nice. home builder ETF finished the day higher yet again, bringing its total gains to 41% this year. And options traders are betting that the next leg higher might come when one big consumer name, Home Depot, reports earnings next week. Danielle Shea of SimplerTrading.com is with us. Um, Danielle, welcome. Welcome to Fast Money and the NASDAQ market site. Thank you. Um, so you're looking at Home Depot. What is the market expecting from Home Depot? So it's interesting because Home Depot typically has about an implied move. It typically has a move of about 1.5%, except for this quarter in particular, it has an implied move of about 3%. So it's a little bit more than normal. I think that's because last quarter we had a breakaway gap that adds to the positive momentum going into this quarter's report. Okay. So Home Depot fell on your radar today. What was the action like today? So the action is a little bit slanted towards call buyers. We have a little bit more call buyers than put buyers, but not anything too unusual. I am seeing quite a bit of activity in both the 235 and the 240 strikes in next week's series. Okay, and the technicals, what are you seeing heading into earnings? 
I love Home Depot. I think it's a great technical name. It has a lot of relative strength, especially in the home builder sector and consumer discretionary. Currently, it's pulled back onto the 50-period simple. It's a great area of support to buy it off of, and it's consolidating. So I'm looking at a potential breakout into the 240-245 price point. So you'd be bullishly positioned into into earnings. I am bullishly positioned into earnings primarily for the pre-earnings momentum move, which was particularly helped by I think Walmart. Um, in addition. But on the actual move, it's interesting because Home Depot oftentimes will fall slightly and then rally after the report. So I'm actually cautiously bullish for the report. And then in the post earnings move, I would like to trade Home Depot higher into the 245 price point. Okay. I think the chart's fantastic. I concur with all that. Um, what's interesting, of course, is Lowe's, which is lagged, is also yes. coiling to do something interesting. But what we know is that the home builders as a group have yet to really exceed their highs of January 2018. So it might just be this uh, constituent that would help the XHB do it. The ITB got right there and then started to falter. So it will be very important. I think Lowe's maybe in a way has the catch-up potential uh, that would deliver even a bigger pop. But I'd be interested in what you think about Lowe's. Yes, definitely. And Lowe's is an interesting competitor. For me, I mean, Home Depot is, Lowe's and Home Depot are neck and neck, right? But Home Depot has been doing really well, particularly in the pro renovation space. And so they've done a really good job with giving the experience to pro renovators. And that has really upped the ticket price per consumer. And so that has been their biggest growth space in addition to their e-commerce. And that's something that Lowe's just doesn't really have right now. Would you rather? Mm. Let's do this. Let's mm. do this. I mean, after the setup by Danielle, I think I'm, I'm, I'm ready to roll. I don't, okay, issues. go ahead. I would absolutely Home Depot. And, mm. and she's talking about <laughs> professional services. That's why they have the three or 400 basis point, you know, uh, uh, multiple advantage over Lowe's. And I think, it, I think they hold on to it. Um, I, I do think also if I'm playing home builders, I would rather be in, this is a would you rather rather. I'd rather be <laughs> well, essentially in. South in, would you rather rather. In, well, we, sometimes <laughs> it happens on this desk. But even we talked about restoration hardware. Um, that's another way you can be playing this consumer uh, reinvigorating the home. I didn't know we had a would you rather rather graphic. Yeah. It's become yeah. that official. That's pretty cool. That's pretty cool. It's running a train. Really, it's double, crazy. Double. Uh, Danielle, great to see you. Thank you. Danielle Thank you. Shea, SimpleTrading.com. For more options action, tune into our live show tomorrow, 5.30 p.m. Eastern Time. And take a look at the Kramer cam. Jim is talking with the CEO of Viacom. He's got that full interview coming up at the top of the hour. We're live at the NASDAQ in Times Square. Much more Fast Money still ahead. Welcome back to Fast Money. Consumer Reports starting to change its tune on Tesla. Phil LeBeau's got the story. Phil. Melissa, I think this is an interesting story because this report from Consumer Reports, it's based on survey answers from people who say, here's what works in my car, here's what doesn't. About 400,000 people fill out this survey. After calculating what works and what doesn't, Consumer Reports ranks Tesla 23rd out of 30 brands. But more importantly, they now recommend the Model 3 and the Model S. That's a designation that they took away last year when they dinged uh, Tesla for questions about the build reliability. And this runs counter to a narrative that's been swirling around the company over the last year, year and a half. And that has to do with the quality of the craftsmanship of the vehicles that are, built, that are being built out at the plant in Fremont, California. We saw these pictures of the tent out in the parking lot, the permanent tent, and people said, that's no way to build a car. That's the reason the quality slipped last year. Well, according to Consumer Reports, 
It is improving, and the owners of these vehicles say that it's improving. As you take a look at shares of Tesla, which, by the way, have just been on a tear over the last six months, remember that they unveil the Cybertruck. That's their electric pickup truck. That will be happening next week in Southern California. Now, Phil, they yanked the recommendation. Wasn't it just in February? I thought it was uh, last year, but I'll, I'll have to go back and check. I thought it was in the last Consumer Reports annual automobile uh, survey, which they do this every year, mm-hmm. and it usually comes about this time of year. Um, okay. And it was, based, it was based on what the owners of the Model 3 were saying, which were right. saying, eh, you know what, the build quality is not that great. They've changed their tune this year. All right. Phil, thank you. Phil LeBeau you in Chicago for us. Um, so... On Twitter, I get a lot of questions about Tesla, and I get a lot of questions specifically for you. I don't know why they don't just tweet you. They do. They tweet Um, me. They don't like me. Okay, so so. walk us through. You're short Tesla. What do you do when a stock is up this much in such a short amount of time? You're a long-term believer in the bear case, but in the meantime, it's a painful short. Well, these are great questions because, uh, you know, first of all, with a stock that's this volatile, I would never put a hard stop on it. People say, hey, you know, where's your stop? I mean, you don't put a hard stop on a stock that moves 20 percent of the clip. Um, I'm short somewhere around 310, 315. Uh, To me, what I think has happened since that last uh, the last number that we saw with a huge cash balance, with the profitability, the stuff we've never seen before in the company. Uh, I don't suddenly say all those things that I'm worried about with their balance sheet go away. I mean, they, they have. But they lessen three. because their ability to raise cash is is greater now. Of right? course they do. But but the, the, a squeeze in the stock that may be coming about them actually overcoming balance sheet concerns, which I don't think they have, because again, I look at the net interest income of last quarter. and It doesn't tell you they had that much cash balance sheet the whole quarter. It tells me they pulled a lot of levers to get a lot of cash in the balance sheet of the last quarter. But but the reasons why you'd be really concerned about this stock is if you actually think the company's executing so well that actually the valuation, which makes no sense anyway, even if they were executing and did have a balance sheet, is going to go to another level. First of all, is it a car company? Is it a tech company? Is it a data company? Yes. I mean, this is this is what, what I struggle with all the time. So the valuation makes no sense. But you're still short. I'm still short, sh- and I'm not, drowning, I'm not short. drowning in a short. I mean, first okay. of all, this is a short that's well-sized. A lot of this has been played through the option market. But to say that you put a hard stop on it, and being, being in the whole 15% on a, on a Tesla short, it's not something you'll lose sleep over. It's just not. The problem is if it were a risky short, you have unlimited risk to the upside. The stock is up 60% since October. It is overbought, but it hasn't unwound the overbought yet. So either the stock has to come in or it's going to unwind the overbought and still you have a 22% short interest. So this could go higher than up 60% in a month. So go higher or unwind? It is is an overbought, right? We know that June 3rd low, 175. Here it is, 300. Um, Even if it's going higher, the path higher, more likely than not, passes through a lower price. Give back, check back, sell off, dip, whatever word you like. That's what to do. Quickly. Implied volatility is always important. This is high volatility. This is high volatility on a stock that's gone higher. So you've got to be very careful when you're playing the options. Up next, final trades. Final trade time, Pete. We had a massive pullback in Twitter. I think Twitter's going to break through 30 in the next couple of weeks. Giddy up. Carter. Sometimes there's nothing wrong with trimming a winner. Apple, trim, sell, do something. Tim. Sometimes there's nothing wrong with adding to a winner. Nike, like the price action after that pullback. NKE. Steve. Am I supposed to say something's witty and whatever? McDonald's. Especially for Happy Meal. <laughs> McDonald's. Watch the 187 level. I think you're okay to get back in. See you back here tomorrow at 5 for more Fast. Mad Money with Jim Cramer starts right now. This podcast is supported by FedEx. Dear small and medium businesses, 
No one wants happy customers more than you do. That's why FedEx offers you picture proof of delivery, packageless and paperless returns, as well as weekend home delivery to 98% of the U.S. on Saturday and 50% on Sunday. See the FedEx service guide for delivery information. FedEx Ground service is also faster to more locations than UPS Ground. See what FedEx can do for your business. Absolutely, positively, FedEx.